Hello, my heathens, and welcome back to Spinning the Wheel podcast with me, your effervescent and somewhat translucent host, Megan Angus. I was recently in the sun, and I burnt up to a crisp and died. This is my ghost, uh, uh, broadcasting from beyond the veil. Woo! Sunburns are real, people. Uh, and my pale ass was reminded over the weekend, um, I am still flammable. So, <laughs> what are you going to do? I hope everybody had a fantastic summer solstice weekend. I hope you got to do all the things that you wanted to do, up to and including napping in the sun, rolling around in the grass, dawdling, daydreaming, goofing off, being silly, flirting with someone that maybe you have a chance with, maybe you don't. Um, but, you know, it, the, the practice is good, right? <laughs> this week we are going to be looking at the lunar phases, the astrology, and the holy days, past and present, for the week of June 24th through June 30th. And no more screwing around. Let's get into it. We kick off this week with a big, fancy, fat uh, dump truck of a full moon in Capricorn at three degrees. So, first and foremost, let's say uh, if you have anything at around three degrees of Capricorn, might be feeling a little buzzy right now. Also, directly across the chart at three degrees of cancer. You might be feeling a little buzzy because that's where the sun and moon are for this full moon. Conversely, if you've got anything around three degrees of Libra or three degrees of Aries, you might also be feeling a little crunchy around this full moon. You might be feeling a little bit at odds with whatever the vibes are currently in with this full moon. This full moon in Capricorn is our official first full moon of Letha season and summer season. So this is it. We're all done after this. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, but this is kind of our grand entrance into summer and into Letha season. And it's really, really beautiful. One of the things that I want you to focus on for this particular full moon um, is that full moons are a culmination. They are a finishing up of a process. They are a... Uh, a finalizing, I guess, of the urge to do or be or act or improve or increase um, whatever it is that we've been doing in our lunar process or processes, uh, because usually we have multiple processes going on at one time, right? So it's kind of a, a, a way of us to sort of take an accounting of where have we been and what have we done over the last six months, even up to the last year, in this sector of our life with this particular material, with this particular subject matter. Um, you know, where are we in that conversation? How, how, how far have we come? What have we let go of? What is it time to, you know, put a bow on and sort of say, 
you know, this is the form that it's going to be in for a little while, or I've gotten this work as far as I can get it in the current process. And now it's time to move into the letting go or the de-staging portions as we get into the decreasing phases of the moon. And so this particular moon, um, Raven Caldera in the book Moon Phase Astrology refers to the Capricorn full moon as the grandmother's moon. And this is very much a moon that speaks to us around um, the subject matter of ancestry and the influence of ancestry. Um, what is it that we have received from our ancestors as blessings and what have we received from our ancestors as burdens? Um, and, you know, we want to take into account this information from time to time. We want to appraise this again and again. Uh, it's really important for us to kind of go back over this material, not just have this conversation with ourselves one time. Because we evolve and change as people. Uh, and so the way that I am going to react to my past and the way that I'm going to react or process information from my past is going to change throughout my life, right? Based on my understanding of myself, based on my understanding of my family and its contexts, its histories and, and whatnot, my understanding of society and that whole context. When we are younger people, we can tend to look at things in a very black and white dogmatic stance. And that often comes from, uh, and, and let me roll that back a little bit. I don't want to just say younger people. When we are less experienced in the world, that doesn't really have anything to do with age with a lot of people. <laughs> when we are less experienced in the world, we tend to look at things very dogmatically, very black and white, very cut and dried, yes, no, up, down, that's it. And as we grow in the world, we gain experience, we gain context, we gain perspective on ourselves and the world and how things work and now how they really work. And where we might stand with an ancestor or our ancestral history as a younger person may be significantly different when we become a more experienced person. And again, I don't want to say younger, I mean less experienced. Um, and as we move into a state of having lived <laughs> and having had to compromise our own dreams, compromise our own morals and our own ethics, watch the people around us that we love and respect and admire or even look up to compromise their morals and compromise their ethics. Sometimes because we have to, sometimes because we want to, sometimes because we're not paying attention. Um, our interpretation of those elements that in a different part of our life, we're very cut and dried, very clear, black and white, yes, no. Now we begin to gain some nuance with that stuff. Now we begin to gain some subtlety to our understanding of context and history. And when we were a less experienced person, we might look on the deeds of an ancestor or the words of an ancestor and think, absolutely, yes, all right, cool, super great. Or, hell no, get that person out of here. I don't ever want to hear their name again. Cut them out of the record books. Blah. 
And then when we gain more experience in our life, we come back to that thing, those words, those deeds that came from an ancestor, and we may have a significantly different feeling, opinion, and understanding um, based on our life experiences, right? Things that we've had to compromise, stuff that we thought, I'll never do that, and we totally did it, or you know, I'm totally going to do this for my whole life. And I stopped after six months, you know, and so we are able to go back and look at our ancestors and things that maybe we were not able to forgive them for, we might be able to forgive them for now. Things that we were very forgiving of previously, we may not be so casual about that stuff anymore. And thinking to ourselves, no, I need to hold my, my ancestor to a higher standard here. And this behavior was not okay, full stop, right? Again, our perspective when we're less experienced in the world versus our perspective when we're more experienced in the world. And our ancestors deserve that re-examining as much as anything else in our life does. Um, very long-winded point here, but I really wanted to get into this around, um, around this full moon because it's here, right? It's the height of the summer moment. And there's all this, in theory, joy and lightness and energy and abundance that is presenting itself in the our pagan symbolism and in our natural world, our physical world as well. Um, you know, obviously, we still have COVID, obviously, we still have police riots, obviously, we still have capitalism that we have to wrangle and cut the head off. <laughs> um, but uh, Joe Biden, don't come get me because I said capitalism is bad, by the way. Oh, no. Uh, clearly, I'm a terrorist. But, um, but within that work, we don't want to forget the past. Within this moment of joy and light and abundance and increase in energy and increase in maybe sexual or sensual drive or just drive in general, um, we don't want to just gloss over the the sources that got us to where we are. We don't want to just gloss over and be like, eh, throw grandma out or yeah, whatever, grandma made some mistakes, but it's fine. We want to continue to re-examine that stuff. So this full moon is calling us back to that work. Yes, here in the middle of all this stuff because it's cancer season and you know, like before it's summer, before it's Letha, it's cancer season. And when we are in cancer season, we are coming home again, whatever that means for you. And for a lot of us, that's a lot of baggage. That's a lot of funky stuff. That's a lot of I'd rather not. For some of us, if you are fortunate, you have a loving family. You have a mostly not problematic family. You have a mostly functional family. Nobody's perfect. That's not what I'm talking about. But you, you know, if you're lucky, you have a family that supports you, loves you, sees you for who you are, right? You have a family that as you push back into your genetics, your ancestry, your family lineage, you may find one little funky thing or one little, you know, uh, mishap here or there, but in general, things are fine, right? But, but for a lot of folks, the word home, the word family comes with a lot of funky stuff. 
And in cancer season, we are asked to come back and sort of attend to these spaces in ourself. What is home? What was I taught about that word at a young age? Um, what are the things that I attach to that word, home? Um, and who taught me that? Who gave me that stuff? All right. Now, all of those things being said about this moon, I encourage you to do whatever kind of meditation, visualization. Um, if you want to do like some artwork to process this stuff, maybe bust out your tarot deck and have just a co simple conversation with the universe. Da, 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 da. Like all of these things are right and good ways of sort of approaching this work. My biggest or most actionable piece of advice for working with the full moon in Capricorn is to write a letter to an ancestor. And if that ancestor is still alive, mail it to him. Um, you know, if, if you think that that's going to be a good thing, if you are exorcising some demons around this ancestor and you think that it's just going to stir up so much drama and not heal anything, not help anything, maybe don't mail it. I don't know. Again, free will, right? Um, way out, I guess, for yourself. Is this really something I want to engage in or is this just something I need to say out loud but not necessarily say to the person? If this is an ancestor that is not alive anymore, um, burn the letter to release the energy. Um, and in theory, they will get that message. Now, I, in the past, have been pretty strict around, I don't want to say strict, but I've been pretty strict <laughs> around um, on this particular holiday, working with blood ancestry. Um, again, do what feels right for you. If you want to work with an ancestor that you actually have some sort of genetic tie to, have at it. If you would prefer to work with an ancestor that you have a cultural tie to, cool, go with that instead. But there is something really potent around understanding uh, the influence of our familial ties and our familial backgrounds. And I guess when I say genetic, I don't necessarily mean that. What I really mean is the people who raised you, um, and you obviously could be adopted, you could be taken in. Um, there's a variety of reasons why you might not be genetically connected to the people who are your family. Um, but the folks who raised you um, and the folks who raised those folks, that's kind of the, the line of ancestry that we're talking about with this moon. So first full moon of summer, first full moon of Letha season, three degrees of Capricorn, grandmother moon, all about ancestral work. And my encourage action here is to write a letter to an ancestor and to mail it to them or burn it. Our lunar body work that we are doing for this full moon in Capricorn is around releasing recuperation, emptying out, resting, relaxation, anything that is restorative or soothing or reducing of stress for 
the bones, the skeletal structure, the skin, the teeth, and the hair. Uh, Capricorn rules all of that stuff. So this is a really great time to rest, relax, recuperate, restore, soothe, empty out all of those parts of the body. And for the plant world, um, in general, uh, for this lunar experience with uh, full moon in Capricorn, we want to be focusing on anything that has to do with our containers or our boundaries or our fences or our reinforcements for our plants. So do you have a plant that has like a funky planter and it would really behoove the situation to improve the planter situation. Maybe some plants need better drainage. If you have a, a, a space where you live, where you actually have a, a yard, maybe today is, or this time period is a great time to mend your fences and go make sure that the fences are good. Um, Capricorn wants to focus on the structure. It wants to focus on the architecture. Um, and so literally anything like that, building trellises for your vining plants would be really appropriate at this time. Um, anything that is adding to or reinforcing structure, containers, constructions, uh, boundaries, you know, anything like that with your plants, your yard, your property, all of that good stuff. Very, very important. And but, and, and but, and, also, this, summer solstice, and in particular the date of June 24th, wildly magical times for harvesting herbs. OM jeepers. Oh my goddesses. All of them. <laughs> Every last one of them. This is an extremely potent time. Why? Well, let me tell you why. Because as we discussed in the Letha class, for folks here in the Northern Hemisphere, the sun is at its zenith of its power. It is at the apex. It is at the top of the roller coaster, as I like to say in, in the Letha classes. So we can think of the solar deities uh, here in the Northern Hemisphere as being at the height of their power. They're at the fullness of their capacity. They are turgid. They are throbbing and veiny, even though that is a Beltane thing. We, you know, it, it is um, really this surging of energy, the peak of the energy, the, the zenith of the energy. And we want to capture as much of that as is possible. So, this is a fantastic time of year for harvesting plant parts, especially plant parts that are above the ground um, because they are thought to be filled to the brim with this solar energy and this solar power. Now, here's my little speech. I give this every time. Here it is again. Please, 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 please don't be that witch and harvest from where you're not supposed to harvest from. Okay? Okay. Let's talk about where you're not supposed to harvest from briefly. Okay. If you are using these plants or intending to use these plants internally or topically, I absolutely do not recommend harvesting your plants from places where there's a lot of traffic, um, a lot of cars, like near a freeway or near a busy intersection or what have you. There's just a boatload of pollution that gets churned up in those places, and that's not stuff that you want to be putting in your body. If you are intending 
to use these plants to um, burn like incense or to burn um, as, to clear, like in the way that you might burn um, uh, frankincense or sage or Palo Santo or something like that. Um, I would say, listen to your intuition. There might be some funky vibes in the area and you don't want that energy in your magical work things it might just be a desolate area or a forgotten area but there isn't anything necessarily funky or negative quote unquote about the area if you feel good on a gut level that's probably energetically going to be an okay place for you to harvest so just something to think about if you're taking the the herbs or these plants internally and i'm not telling you to do that that's you're on your own there again not a doctor not a whatever um <laughs> but if you are harvesting plants for that intention to take internally or to use topically, really, really be aware of the soil that they are growing in, the air that they are taking in, the environment that they are growing in, and what pollutants might be there physically and energetically, and do you want that in your work? If you are harvesting herbs to use outside of your body for magical means of one thing or another, the soil that it grows in or the toxins that it's been exposed to may not be as much of a concern for you, but energetically, you may still want to kind of feel into, is this energetically a polluted area? And I don't want to pick up on that. Or does everything seem chill? It feels good. We're good to go. Okay. So that's the first place that I encourage you to either not harvest from or be very present and aware with yourself as you're harvesting from those places. Place number two that I want you to think about your harvesting practices is, is this private land? Were these plants or flowers or herbs or whatever they are planted by someone <laughs> to be used for something? Am I taking away from someone else's efforts? If you have a neighbor, if you have a person on your street that um, grows an abundance of whatever, and you're like, I really want to harvest some of that, it's not going to hurt you to go leave a note on their door or to go check in with that person and ask, hey, you have this giant bush of rosemary and some of it hangs over the street. Do you mind if I harvest some of this? Technically, rosemary isn't even really, because that's one of those plants that's like, there's so much of it, I'm never going to tell you to follow the rules. <laughs> Just harvest the rosemary. But if it's something that seems like there's a small patch of it, if it seems like you're going to be screwing up somebody's gig if you harvest this this little bit of stuff that's here. Check in. It's never going to hurt you to ask that person. You may end up meeting another witch. <laughs> and, you know, buyer beware on that, right? <laughs> but always, always ask for permission. Always be aware of yourself. Don't just think, oh, my God, look at all these dandelions. Someone may literally be growing the dandelions on purpose because they're fantastic plants to work with. All right. And part number three of harvesting and being present and being aware with what you're doing is, are you harvesting something that is endangered? Are you harvesting something that is on the decline? Are you harvesting something that is sacred to another group of people. See, the sirens are, are blasting even as I speak right now. Um, are you harvesting something that for you 
is a specialty interest. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if I could get a few stocks of this or that because I'd really like to try blah, 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 versus harvesting and depriving that from someone who actually needs it. That, that it's, it's a plant that's a part of their spiritual practice or their medicinal practice or their eating practices. And your special interest in like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I could get a few pieces of this plant is now screwing up this person's actual practice. We don't want that, right? We don't want that. <laughs> that's that's antithetical to, to our work, generally speaking. So when it comes to indigenous plants versus invasive species, I'm always going to encourage you to harvest invasive species. <laughs> um, harvest the stuff that's not supposed to be there. Um, and be very, very cautious, very respectful, very careful around harvesting any, if any, at all, native plants. Um, what I encourage you to do when it comes to native species, especially native species that are on the decline, is donate money to land conservatory groups. They're usually Native Americans, and they usually are working really, really hard to keep the indigenous plants that are supposed to be in the area alive and healthy and well spread and continue to fight and combat and kick out the invasive species. Um, up here in the Pacific Northwest, we have blackberries as far as the eye can see, and they are crazy. They grow everywhere. <laughs> they are these giant rambling brambles, and they take over everything. There is one native species of blackberries here in the Pacific Northwest, and all of the rest of the ones that you see are invasive. So when I go out to harvest of course, I'm looking to see where the indigenous blackberries are, and I'm going to harvest the shit out of all of the invasive blackberries around that indigenous plant. I get all the best of the worlds. I get to help the indigenous plant further establish itself and be able to live and strive and thrive. And I'm cutting back an invasive species. I'm hacking into this bitch and I get my blackberries to do my magic with hooray everybody wins blackberry magic side note uh blackberry vines really incredible for protection magic and defensive magic with all those thorns bitch come and try to get me wait that's not a dare please don't try to get me I'm kind of off my game right now uh, <laughs> so that's my little rant chant fant about where do I encourage you to harvest from and where I think it's not so great to harvest from. Okay, so we have talked about the full moon and we have talked about um, what I think is one of the key witchy, pagan, heathen traditions around uh, summer solstice and letha, which is the harvesting and the gathering of herbs. Again, our solar deities are at their maximum, they're at their peak, and we are moving out into the natural world to safely and ethically harvest plants um, to gather up that energy and that power. We're going to dry our plants. Maybe we're going to use some of them fresh. Why not? We can if that's safe. Um, but we are going to dry the rest of our plants and then we are going to have that potent solar um, fire light 
positive peak energy to tap into all the rest of the year. That's the really cool part of this practice. There's the magic. There's the witchcraft. Um, is uh, We are gathering up these plants. They are filled to the brim with this power. And then we're going to dry them. And then we have these supercharged plants that we get to go back to and use as medicine, to use in our foods, to use magically um, in whatever ways we want to use them uh, throughout the rest of the year. So that's the, that's the whole gig here. Um, last week I did a really short podcast and this week I'm going to do a short one as well. So we are going to talk about a few more things before we're done, but, um, you know, this podcast is still an experiment. I'm still feeling it out. And, uh, as a side note, I really want to thank you for giving me this space or sharing this space with me where I can experiment, where I can figure out my own uh, stuff that I'm freaked out about. <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, here's too much information perhaps, but it's cancer. So we're all sharing, right? Um, <laughs> it's cancer season. So it's time to get feely and emo. Um, I have a lot of insecurities. Lots of other people do too. Um, I have uh, a lot of insecurities. I have a lot of issues around being afraid that people don't like me. And um, I try real hard. A lot of times I try too hard um, to convince people that they need to like me. And one of the ways that I do that is I jam pack every single offering that I give to people, whether it's my classes or this podcast or when you work with me as a client, um, I absolutely try to jam pack every last piece of information into the thing. Um, I mean, my motives for that are, are, are multifold. Part of that is I'm trying to convince you to like me. I'm really scared that you're not going to like me unless I give you everything. Um, part of it is I have a real um, hang up around giving people the full piece of information. I want people to have the full context of things. <laughs> Hence why I'm disclosing so much information about myself right now. Um, and I have a real um, thing in me, a real fear, uh, unba unbased, un uh, unrealistic, but a, a real fear in me that if I give people the wrong information, or if I don't give people enough information, they could hurt themselves um, or or be damaged in some way, that they are going to be led astray in some way, that the information is errant. And I really appreciate that I can come into this space and experiment here um, and get feedback from you guys and listen to what's working for you and what's not working, listen to myself kind of puzzle this stuff out. Um, and so part of my work around this going forward is that I may be giving you a little bit less information here in the podcast, in the classes, when we work together, because as I like to describe and as is described to me by others, I tend to kind of go with the fire hose approach, <laughs> which is cute if it's, you know, a fire, 
but otherwise somebody's going to lose an eye, right? You know? So I, I feel like ultimately sometimes what I'm doing is really overwhelming um, and it's too much. There's my Jupiter rulership, right? Um, it's too much of a good thing. It's good stuff. I know I'm giving you quality, <laughs> baby. I know it's quality, but sometimes I think I'm giving you too much. So here is my five minute rant about how I'm going to make the podcast short. <laughs> So we are going to talk about a few more things and we are going to call it for this podcast. Um, maybe I'll start doing more podcasts. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but if it feels like it's lacking, let me know and we'll ramp it back up again. Um, I mean, I still have the material. The material is not going away. But yeah, Mwah. I love you guys. I'm not leaving. We still have more to talk about. But I just needed to disclose that and talk a little bit about my process and why there's so much variety in it and why I kind of overdo it a lot of the times. Um, it really is coming from a place of love and I want you guys to have all of the information. I want you to be as empowered as possible in your magical work, your spiritual work, your personal work, your, your personal evolution, the revolution that we are experiencing in the world. I want you to have all the information at your fingertips. And also I'm recognizing that part of my drive around doing that is around my own insecurities. And part of the result of doing that is that folks are overwhelmed and they're swimming in a sea of information. And that's not necessarily actionable or usable. That can feel really overwhelming. So, all right, that's enough of that. Let's move on with the rest of this week. After our full moon in Capricorn, the rest of this week, we have a little bit of astrology and we have our lunar phases. And then we don't really have a whole lot in the way of holy days. We actually have a really small selection compared to some weeks. Again, that's because a lot of the civilizations past and present that are doing something for summer solstice either have already done it or they're in the midst of a week or weeks long festival that is still continuing. So we're not seeing a lot of individual standalone holidays in the week or so directly after summer solstice. So this week we have on June 25th, um, Neptune stations retrograde at 23 degrees of Pisces. Neptune spends about half of the year in retrograde. So the fact that it's retrograde or direct is sort of like, eh, whatever. But those days when those outer planets change direction, when they either station retrograde or they station direct, those are the days in particular that we can really feel the effects of whatever is going on with that. And we've been talking about this Neptune influence for several months now. We're going to be talking about it for several more months because it's aspecting stuff. Um, Neptune is dreamy, hazy, mystical, un ungrounded, very fantasy oriented, can be illusion and delusion, um, can be good fantasy, can be nightmare. Um, and so when Neptune stations retrograde, aka it appears in the sky to slow down, stop and change directions and begin to go backwards, 
Obviously, it's not physically doing that. It just looks like that from here on Earth. And it's in the sign of Pisces, which is its uh, sign of rulership. Um, this could be an especially hazy, dreamy, mystical vibe type of a day. So not a super great day to sign a contract or make some really important pivotal decision or try to like stay focused hardcore on the details. Not so much. It is a fantastic day for being very dreamy, for being very utopian, for allowing the mystical sides of you to kind of express themselves. All of that stuff is very appropriate for these moments with Neptune. Also on this day, we interestingly enough have the Day of the Seafarer, which is a global holiday acknowledging people and industries that are ocean-based. Um, and that's conservatory groups, that's, you know, uh, the fishing empires and all of that stuff, merchants and, and everything else that's sort of boat and ocean oriented. Interestingly enough, huh? Right. <laughs> what a random coincidence. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. All right, let's move on to the rest of this week. All right. On June 26th, the moon moves into Aquarius and this is a disseminating moon in Aquarius. And this lunar phase is really asking us to take a deep look at the concept of hope. And what are we hopeful about? What are we losing our hope around? And how our hope um, incorporates our worldview in terms of our friends and our friendships and our friend groups and then society at large. Um, Hope is very future-oriented. It's very much a, a positive, forward-looking kind of stance, right? If I have hope, that means that I have some sense that things are going to get better, that there is a tomorrow, and it's going to be better than today. And a lot of that work involves other people, right? Um, you know, I can't just hope for a better tomorrow. I've got to hope that everybody else is hoping for the same thing as me and aiming towards that and working towards that. So the disseminating moon in Aquarius can really be a place where we kind of ask ourselves, um, you know, who am I connected to? And what are we all striving for? And how do I feel about that? Am I hanging out with a group of people who are fun and great and cool, but they also are kind of nihilists maybe and not really future oriented maybe they're super fun but they're not very hopeful about the future um am i hanging out with people that are extremely hopeful about the future but seem to be very detached from the now <laughs> um you know or some wild combination of those things right and all of that stuff can be in us too so this is a moon that's really encouraging us to ask, you know, what do I believe in? What would I like to wish for right now? What gives me hope? Who gives me hope? And how do I feel about the people and the groups and the friendships that I'm connected to? Am I a solitary island or am I immersed in a community that supports me and accepts me? Am I surrounding myself with people who are avoiding the world and avoiding the present, avoiding the future? Or am I surrounding myself with people who are encouraging my hope for a better tomorrow? Um, that's the kind of work that we're doing with this disseminating moon in Aquarius. For our lunar body work, we want to be relaxing, reducing, soothing, relieving stress, 
um, alleviating any kind of pain or work from our legs and in particular our calves. And in the plant world, we are working on controlling any insects or pests. We might be plowing or weeding. And again, this is another great day for harvesting herbs. Yes, even though this is a disseminating moon and the moon is getting smaller, it is um, a moon in Aquarius is always a great time to harvest. And here is our nearly full moon in Aquarius during Letha season. You'll love to see it. Um, so this is a fantastic time for harvesting as well. Also on this day, we have Venus moving into Leo. Whoo! Whoo! Fire dancers to the dance floor, please. Fire dancers to the dance floor, please. Um, all of us have a Venus in our chart somewhere. All of us have Leo in our chart somewhere. And Venus is moving into Leo for all of us. So you might look at your natal chart and see where is the first degree of Leo in your chart. That house or houses that are covered by Leo are going to get lit up with Venus energy for the next three weeks to a month or so. Venus moves about the same speed as the sun. And Venus in Leo is very much bitch, look at me energy. <laughs> so wherever that lands for you, because some people are very flamboyant and some people are very subtle, but wherever you fall on that spectrum, your tendencies for wanting attention and to be seen looking good might be ramped up a bit during this season. I love Venus and Leo. It's, I think, very, very fun. Um, our Venusian tendencies can become very performative and very dramatic. And I mean that actually in the very best of ways. Um, we might really want to show off or perform or entertain, um, especially as a form of flirting with other people. We might be really excited for some one night stands, um, some very uh, quick and dirty type of engagements. Venus uh, is of course very flirty and you know really wants to connect with people and be sexy and have fun, whatever that means for you. Um, and in Leo, we are excited about creating and start and 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 um, you know developing uh, creative, intimate relationships with people. Um, side note: Venus and Leo also can be a very fertile time. So our, if you are a person who owns a womb within inside your body uh, and it has the capacity to make flesh babies, alert, alert. <laughs> if you're trying to make a flesh baby, this might be a really sexy, potent, fantastic time to ask for that extra fertility, magical energy to come in and help you. Um, if you are not trying to make a flesh baby at this time, do whatever you need to do to protect your parts <laughs> from that energy and whatnot. All right, let's move on to the rest of the week. <laughs> All right, moving on to June 28th, because June 27th is has nothing. Um, <laughs> we are moving into uh, the moon moving into Pisces. <laughs> this is a disseminating moon in Pisces. And this is also some lunar work that we have done in the past couple of months. And when the moon is in this phase in Pisces, 
we may be encouraged to engage our charitable side, especially after all that work of thinking about what gives me hope in the world and who are the people I'm connecting with to sort of foster that hope and create the world I'm hoping for. Now we move into Pisces and it's like, okay, let's get some of that work done. And, but also with this particular phase of the moon in Pisces, we can sometimes kind of go overboard especially with Neptune having just stationed retrograde in Pisces. Also, let's not forget, Jupiter is also still here in retrograde in Pisces. There can be a real tendency to go overboard with our charitable actions and fall into a martyrdom portion of charitable work, right? There is a bit, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on here. When we talk about charity, we talk about charity work. There is the idea of like, let me donate to this thing once a month, right? Okay, that's cute. There's the idea of like, hey, I go and serve food once a week with this group. Cool. That's awesome. There's the idea of, you know, I donate to this thing every day. Okay. That seems like maybe it's excessive, but if you can afford it, awesome. Then there's the like, you know, I gave a guy on the street my coat. Like, okay, wow, that's extreme. Do you have another coat for yourself? No. Okay. Um, and, and so where I'm going with all of these examples is that Pisces, when we move through this phase of Pisces, can really encourage us to step into a very charitable place where we are very empathetic and we feel for our neighbors who are less advantaged than us and the other people that are in our world and in our environment. We're feeling for them. We are empathetic. We are sympathetic. Um, and that can start to tip into going overboard and overboard is to an extent, a relative thing per person, you know, how much money you have, right? So, you know, if it is reasonable to hand somebody outside a dollar at a bus stop versus a $10 bill versus a $100 bill, you know, if that makes sense for your economy, for one person, even handing out a $10 bill would be excessive to their economy. But this moon in Pisces may encourage us to like, let me just give it all away to the world. Let me just open up my veins and bleed out all the blood that the world needs and let me be the savior to all of that stuff. Does any of that stuff sound familiar? Yeah, there's like a whole religion built on it. Right. And look at the condition of the world that we're in. Um, I have a huge bias here, but I will say this. It's lovely that particular archetypes and deities have decided to sacrifice themselves on behalf of the species. But you know what? You're dead or nailed to a cross or whatever, and there's still diapers to be changed. There's still dishes to be done. So this is a moon, right? <laughs> yeah, I said it. I did. I said it. I've said it before. I'll probably have to say it again. This is a moon that is going to call up this feeling of like, I must act, I must do, I must save them in the world, I must, and to such a, a depth, to such a strength and intensity that we may fall into martyring ourselves to the cause that we are concerned with versus just giving what we have to give and then pulling back and being real with ourselves about, you know, longevity 
Uh, what about tomorrow? I need to make sure that I'm still taken care of. All of that good stuff. On this same day, with this disseminating moon in Pisces, we have Mars and Leo sextile the North Node in Gemini at 10 degrees. This really encourages a strong sense of needing to strike out on your own um, autonomy versus guidance from others, a strong sense of purpose, a strong sense of ambition. And so we may really, really, really feel super driven on this day uh, to fight and potentially martyr ourselves on behalf of the downtrodden, etc. Um, this sits very strongly with astrology that we have on the next day, June 29th, with the Mars, uh, the Mars, with Mars in Aries, sextile the asteroid Juno in Sagittarius at 11 degrees. And I know that I don't talk about the asteroids very often because uh, this whole report would just be astrology if I included that information every single day week. But um, Juno is that thing in us that wants to fight on behalf of the downtrodden. Mars is always ready to fight. <laughs> it's just like, who am I a warrior on behalf of those guys? Okay, cool. Great. Sounds good. So, you know, coupling this all together, we have the disseminating moon in Pisces. That's like, I have to fight and, or I have to give myself over and martyr myself to this, this thing, this need that's in the world. And then here we have, um, you know, Mars in Leo sextile, the North node in Gemini at 10 degrees saying, you know, I need to do this. I'm driven to do this. I don't want to hear advice from anybody else. I've got my goals and I'm going to hit them. And then the very next day, Mars in, in Aries sextile Juno in Sagittarius at 11 degrees. Um, again, check your natal charts to see if you've got anything near these degrees, because you might be really, really feeling it on these days, or you might have a really like front row seat to other people acting this stuff out in your life. Um, and again, that asteroid uh, Juno really encourages us to work or fight or speak or act on behalf of the downtrodden, the left behind, the forgotten, the alienated, the minority, um, the, the uh, helpless or the less abled than you, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so just pay attention to that. See how it comes up for you this week and um, see what you want to do about that. Being a charitable person is awesome. Engaging in mutual aid, as we have discussed in previous weeks, I think is even more awesome because all of us need something. None of us have everything. And moving beyond the paradigm of charity and into the paradigm of mutual aid to me is a holy act and it is a potently magical act because I am allowing you to support me as I support you and you are allowing me to support you as you support me. This is a much more realistic model of how humans have worked together for the last, oh, I don't know, 100,000 years or whatever. Not this whole one person has everything and then all this other group of people have nothing and they have to go beg the person with everything for help. Yuck. I don't want to be in either part of that. I'd like to move on to something else, please. Thank you. Let's move on to the rest of the week, shall we? 
Before we move on to the rest of the week, which is only just one more day, but let me mention for our lunar body work while we have our disseminating moon in Pisces, we are doing whatever we can to soothe, relax, recuperate, um, relieve stress or, or uh, work from our feet and our ankles in particular. That's the part of the body that Pisces rules. Um, so anything that you can do to improve... Um, or like improve conditions or reduce hindrances, reduce pain, reduce effort, reduce work, recuperate, soothe, relax, heal, all that stuff. Feet and ankles, toes, all that. All right. That brings us to June 30th with our disseminating moon in Aries. The moon moves into Aries on this day. And with this particular phase of the moon in Aries, we are teaming up with other people who are of a like mind and we are fighting for a mutual goal. This sits obviously very comfortably with our Mars and Aries sextile Juno and Sagittarius. Now, if we remember, um, the Mars sextile, the North Node, is on the, that day, on the 28th in particular, really encouraging us to kind of go alone in our efforts, but here we come to June 30th and now it's about working with a collective, working with a group for a mutual goal. The people on the team do not have to be people that you love. They don't even have to be people that you agree with on everything, but they do need to be people that you are on the same page with about the goal in question, whatever that thing is. Even if the members of the team disagree passionately over other stuff, they need to be passionately in accord over what you all are trying to accomplish and hopefully how you're going to accomplish it. Um, uh, being invested in a team goal means being invested in the ones who will help you get there. See how that sits with our conversation around hope, and who am I hoping with um, that we're working on with the um, disseminating moon in Aquarius, right? It's kind of this like, I have these visions of the future. Who's supporting that? Who am I talking with about those things? Who's working on that same kind of stuff? Now we're moving into the disseminating moon in Aries. And Aries is like, no, physically, who am I joining forces with to make these things happen? I don't have to be best friends with them. I don't have to be, that doesn't have to be my lover. We do not need to see eye to eye on every last thing under the sun. We do, however, need to find a way to be able to see eye to eye on this particular subject, both the goals of the subject, as well as the methodology of how we're going to get from A to B. Really important stuff. Um, since this is also a time of discipline, uh, whenever the moon is in Aries, really, it's a fantastic time for practicing any kind of martial arts or any kind of like physical exercise that's going to make you sweat, especially if there's no goal to it or the goal is really simple, like you don't have to brainification, brainify a whole lot <laughs> during that thing, during that, that chore, that group. Um, but yeah, physical exercise, Martial arts, of course, is always going to please Aries, but do it in a group, not alone. So go for a hike um, with a collection of people um, or go play a team sport of some kind, something along those lines. Um, okay, 
For the lunar body, with our disseminating moon in Aries, we are looking to reduce, relax, recuperate, soothe, heal, clean out, rest, whatever. Our head, our face, our hair, our brain, our eyes, our nose, and our sinuses. Again, as I said before, not a doctor, Dr. Love, blah, blah, blah. But anything that works with that. So maybe you wanted to do some sort of like, I don't know, detoxification scalp treatment. This would be a fantastic time to do that. Maybe you wanted to do a facial for yourself that's more about pulling things out of your skin than it is about packing your skin with like nutrients and supplements. This would be a great time to do that sort of extraction kind of work for your skin, um, et cetera, et cetera. For working with our natural world or the plant world bodies, we are harvesting again. We are controlling pests. We are weeding, we are plowing, and we are pruning. And so, yes, to come back around to that, this entire week is really fantastic for harvesting, harvesting, harvesting. Again, ethically, safely, in healthy ways for, for both us and our community, sitting with all of this lunar work too, right? We can't just be thinking about ourselves. We have to be thinking about how my actions affect the people around me and encourage their hope, encourage their, their investment in the future, all of that good stuff. Um, that's pretty much it. I, like I said, I, I don't think I'm really going to talk about the holy days this week. Um, and I said that at the beginning, so I guess I kind of lied, but, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> briefly, 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 um, the most important holy days that I think we have this week are on June 24th, we have the Feast of St. John the Baptist from our Catholic friends. This is the great solar marker for the summer solstice. Uh, June 24th um, is the place where we actually hit the degree in our orbit between um, Beltane and Lunasad, uh, but also this is the counter to Jesus. Jesus's holiday, of course, being December 24th, St. John's being June 24th. So they are across the calendar from each other. This is the Holly King and the Oak King for a lot of pagans. Um, and we even, a few months ago, back in spring, have a holiday where a pregnant Virgin Mary, pregnant Virgin Mary, I said it, meets with a pregnant Saint Anne, Saint Anne being the mother of uh, Saint John the Baptist, Virgin Mary being the mother of Jesus Christ. Um, and they actually meet together as the great mothers of these two um, archetypes. Um, you know, too much to go into in the length of this podcast, of course, but we know that these are solar deities reflecting this um, twin thing that we're working with at this time of year, all of that good stuff. Other holidays, uh, I mean, there's a boatload of other holidays that we could talk about, um, but I feel like that one is really important because of our symbolism. Another thing that's happening at this time of year, of course, on June 28th, we have the Stonewall Riot that took place in the late 60s. Um, and this is sort of the birth moment of the modern era of alphabet mafia 
fighting for acceptance, fighting for their rights, fighting for their space, for our space here in the world. Um, never, ever forget Stonewall was a riot. <laughs> Kink belongs at Pride, <laughs> all of that. Um, and so this holiday for me very much sits nicely with our astrology that we have this week and our lunar phases that we're experiencing this week um, with coming together and thinking about a utopian world, thinking about um, the people that you collect and gather with that keep your hope alive, that help keep your hope alive, and also the people that you gather with to accomplish goals and to fight for things, especially to fight on behalf of the marginalized, the downtrodden, the forgotten um, the left out and, um, you know, what the hell else is Stonewall about? But that moment of people who had been marginalized, who still are marginalized, um, sort of saying to the status quo and to the powers that be absolutely not. We are not taking this shit anymore. Period. Full stop. There has been so many sirens outside of my house today because the cops suck. The cops are throwing tantrums all fucking day today and it's been really fantastic so if there's any police listening to this fucking quit it thanks all right my friends that's it that's our week this is my short podcast it's only 58 minutes long <laughs> i think it's gonna be even longer than that <laughs> um so to wrap it up um, fight on behalf of the downtrodden, abolish the police, go harvest some herbs if it's ethical to do so, roll around a garden naked, walk a labyrinth, all that stuff. Keep being awesome. Uh, keep giving me hope, and I will try to continue to give you hope. And you and I may not see eye to eye on every single thing under the sun, but I expect that our similarities are greater than our differences. And if that is the truth, then that gives me a lot of hope. That gives me a lot of hope that we as a species can figure this out. Are there going to be some arguments? You, yes, there are. Are there going to be some places where for a long time we cannot find a chord? Yeah, yeah, probably. And there's probably going to be things that we have to live with that we don't like our whole lives, especially within the groups of people that we choose to band with and to fight for a more hopeful vision of the future. We may not like everything that those folks are bringing to the table. We might not like all of the ways that they see the world and function within the world, but we have got to start finding some common ground. We have got to start finding some ways that we can support each other, continue to give each other hope, and continue to fight for each other and defend each other and work on behalf of each other. The forces of the world, the great patriarchy forces, the curiarchal forces of greed and, and, and pestilence and, you know, you know the group, um, they don't want us to do this work. They want us to stay hopeless, isolated, defensive. That makes us really great consumers and that keeps us easy to control. We are excited about the next police bill that has $500 million in spending because somebody's got to keep us safe because we're all out here alone and we're all defenseless. When in fact, 
that may not actually be the truth, when in fact, we all may be much closer to being on the same team with each other than we have ever realized. The differences between a person who is homeless and a person who makes a million dollars a year are very, very small when considering the differences between a person who makes a million dollars a year and a person who makes a hundred billion dollars a year. There is a vast gulf. And while that person who is homeless is significantly worse off than the person who's making a million dollars a year, we are much more on the same team than either of those two people want to admit. And much more on the same team than the powers that be want us to realize. So this kind of work is vitally important for us to remember, oh right, the differences that we are perceiving are probably just on the surface. We probably have way more similarities than we do differences. We probably have way more common goals than we have different goals. We don't have to agree on all the stuff, but there's some certain things that we're going to have to agree on or shit's not going to go right. <laughs> we're not going to get our work done. So thank you for keeping me hopeful. Thank you for continuing to feed into this group, this collective vision of hope, of a brighter future, of a functional, healthy, productive future. <laughs> um, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate being able to be in community with you and to continue to do this work. Go forth. Enjoy this beautiful full moon that we are going to have. Um, and blessed be.